the FF Educator. We are coming off of a chaotic NFL draft. Landing spots have thrown player value all over the place. There are a lot of contentious debates going on right now. So I thought the best way to help you understand the value of your rookie picks right now and to help you navigate those tough decisions was to break down a four-round Superflex rookie draft into 10 tiers to help you better understand the value of your picks. Tier one is easy, folks. It always has been Bijan Robinson 101, no matter what. All right, I have gotten tweets, messages in the Discord, questions on YouTube. Okay, but this is my situation. What if I have three Falcons now? What if I don't need a running back? The answer is Bijan Robinson 101. He projects in as the running back two in seasonal projections. He's the running back one in dynasty. Do not overthink this. He is in a tier of his own. All right, tier two. So this is where you're going to start having a decision. There's four players that I'm putting in this tier. Yes, four players. I would have put the three quarterbacks in this tier by themselves before the draft. Those three quarterbacks being Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud, but post-draft, Jameer Gibbs in Detroit with that juicy draft capital and with DeAndre Swift now headed to Philadelphia, there's an easy projection for Gibbs to be 230-plus touches, and I would be willing to take him over C.J. Stroud if I had that running back need. Now, I'm not going to get into Anthony Richardson versus Bryce Young because I do want to focus on these players within the tier. So the decision that you have to make is, do you want to go upside on Anthony Richardson or do you want to go with a little bit more floor here for Bryce Young? You're also going to get more immediate 2023 production from Bryce Young. C.J. Stroud is getting left out of the quarterback conversation because he does seem... Uh, you know, a, a sub-tier drop-down compared to Young or Richardson. But if you wanted to take Stroud over those guys, it's justifiable in the sense that C.J. Stroud is going to kind of split the difference. He brings a good amount of upside in terms of his traits and his big arm strength, and he comes with a little bit more floor as well. The question will be, how well can Houston build up a support system around him, both in terms of the offensive line and the weapons, all right, tier three, I'm calling it the wide receiver one mini tier, okay? So now we're at picks 106, 107 in your Superflex rookie drafts, and you're going to have a choice to make. This should really be between Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I've already definitely gotten into this discourse between these two guys. Heading into the NFL draft, JSN was my wide receiver one, Jordan Addison was my wide receiver two. Based on the way that they plugged into my projection sheet post-draft, Jordan Addison is now the wide receiver I would take at 106, despite the fact that I love JSN, and I love JSN's tape, and I do think we're going to like JSN's landing spot more in 2024 and even more in 2025. 
but I can't pass up on Jordan Addison landing in a 130 target uh, situation there in Minnesota in a pass first offense with a quarterback who stylistically clicks very well for him. You compare that to JSN, who has a little bit more of an uphill battle in terms of year one targets. I still think he could get 95 targets. That's a really good rookie projection, but he will have to battle with Metcalf and Lockett. And at the end of the day, he's catching balls from Geno Smith in a run first offense. Regardless, you're getting a good wide receiver, whether you choose Addison or JSN. But the key here is that these two guys should be coming off the board 106 and 107. They were locked in as the top two wide receivers in the class before the draft, and they absolutely are still in that spot after the draft. All right, tier four, here's the drop-off. This is a major drop in value in your rookie drafts here. We're going to have to figure out at this point who's the next best guy up, okay? Because everybody is a clear tier drop down from the seven guys that we've talked about, right? So the four guys that I'm willing to put in this tier here are Michael Meyer, Dalton Kincaid, Quinton Johnston, and Zay Flowers. I've noticed already answering questions in the Discord, on Twitter, on YouTube, that putting Kincaid and Mayer in the 108 slot makes a lot of folks nervous. Even if you're not in a tight end premium, I think we need to lean into how good these tight ends are. You know, I plugged Michael Mayer into the projections. He's tight end 12 already in seasonal. He plugs in his tight end seven for me in Dynasty. Kincaid's immediate projection isn't as strong, but he has wicked upside playing in the Buffalo offense with Josh Allen, right? These are two guys that I would normally not be willing to take a tight end at the back end of the first round. But in this year's class, you're not going to get two good rookie tight end options like this again for a while. Now with Quinton Johnston and Zay Flowers, it's a little bit of pick your flavor, right? I have Zay Flowers as a much higher rated tape evaluation but he's stuck in a really challenging scheme. And I spent the last three years trying to convince people not to talk themselves into Rashad Bateman because I watch the Ravens week in, week out, and I have a, a deep understanding, for better or worse, for the way this offense works. That being said, part of me does believe that Zay Flowers is explosive enough, dynamic enough, versatile enough, where he could potentially get up into that wide receiver two territory, despite the fact that touchdowns are going to be limited and targets are just going to be limited in the Baltimore offense. Then you have Quinton Johnston, whose tape I do not like. Folks, I prefer when my wide receivers can catch the ball, okay? And I prefer when my big men play uh, like like ex-boundary wide receivers. Nonetheless, Quinton Johnston lands in an offense that's going to throw the ball 700-plus times a season. Even if Mike Williams and Keenan Allen stay healthy, and even if the Chargers take a slow approach to getting Quinton Johnston on the field, he's probably still going to end the season seeing seven, eight, nine targets in a game. He's going to have to really underperform to not have some significant fantasy relevance at that spot, right? So even though I'm a big Quinton Johnston fader, I think in this tier here of 108 to 112, he needs to come off the board, and he's probably going to come off the board in most rookie drafts. Another big drop-off here as we head into the second round of rookie drafts, and this is where the tiers are going to start to get bigger. So with tier six here, the, the turn into the second round, I'm calling it the get your guy tier, right? Because there's going to be a lot of names that get folks really excited. They're all going to come with upside, and they're all going to come with some risk, right? So let's start with Devin Achain. So Achain lands with Miami, 
And I've been hesitant about Achain. You know, going in, he was my running back six pre-draft. He comes out post-draft as my running back three. And I didn't expect it to happen like that either. But again, when I plug him into the projection sheet, I only give him 30% of the work on the ground and 10% of the work through the air. And that's enough for him to pop as a as a low to mid-end running back two for fan, or I'm sorry, a, a running back two, three border guy, right? So that's that's running back, you know, 22 to 26 type range. He's falling in that in my projections. So I can't pass up that type of production into the early second round, even if it might not be consistent production. Now, Jonathan Mingo is going to be a popular name going at this spot. And I've gotten a lot of questions about this already. If you want to take Jonathan Mingo in the early second round, I don't blame you for it. He got high draft capital and the Carolina wide receiver room is pretty wide open. And I like Mingo's tape. I think I'm still processing through the fact that he went just this high, though. I thought he maybe could have snuck into early day three territory. I wasn't sure that his film was polished enough for him to step in and be an immediate X boundary type wide receiver. So if you are taking Jonathan Mingo, I just think you have to be willing to not pivot after his first season. It might take a little bit of time for him to catch up in that way. Rashi Rice heads to Kansas City, and you know the rule, right? Sky Moore, Clyde Edwards E. If a rookie gets drafted to Kansas City, we are in on the hype, folks. That is just the rule. Now, Rashi Rice is a little bit different than the type of wide receiver they traditionally draft. He plays well along the boundary, and he does have the ability to go up and get the ball. So those things are excited. I will be in on Rashi Rice at the right price. You're going to have to decide whether he's going to be a priority for you at the top of the second. Will Levis will not be a priority for me at the top of the second. And quite frankly, in the rookie big board formula, he's still 25th overall, which means I'm going to have zero exposure to Will Levis. And I'm actually perfectly fine with that. Now, if you want to go in on Will Levis in a super flex league, 202, 203, 204, I do think it's justified, okay? I can fade a player while still recognizing why you would make that decision. Levis will have every opportunity to earn that starting job heading into 2024, but don't let his older age fool you. He will need a redshirt development year to get caught up in the NFL, and it's not going to be an automatic transition from Ryan Tannehill, you know, at some point in the 2023 season. Kendra Miller is a really interesting one. He had a lot of hype going into the draft. I wasn't quite as high on him, but he does land in a pretty unique landing spot here. He's going to have the opportunity to fight for running back two touches on the depth chart itself with Jamal Williams. But of course, we know a suspension may or even likely is coming for Alvin Kamara. So the question is, can Kendra Miller establish himself enough in the preseason so that if and when Kamara misses four to six type weeks here. Can Kendra Miller get on the field, take over those touches? Uh, but I think we're maybe writing off Jamal Williams a little bit too quickly here, folks. We're talking about the guy that dominated the Detroit backfield last year. So I get Kendra Miller. I'm still proceeding with a little bit of caution, but I do think early second round is going to be the range that he comes. Now, I purposely held it back a little bit here and I saved him to the end of the tier. And in these tiers, by the way, I'm not reading off the names in order because I'm, I'm trying to give you a grouping of guys that will go in a similar range, but Zach Charbonnet will go in this range. And this was probably the toughest one of, of uh, all of the weekend for me. You know, I'm a big Zach Charbonnet fan. I've been a big fan of his tape all the way through college in 
he gets a, a really, really tough landing spot for both him and Kenneth Walker. You know, I plug him into the projections and we can get him some solid volume, but I think best case scenario, Zach Charbonnet is, you know, contributing as a, as a flex type guy in your offense. Still, at the end of the day, I will lean into my tape evaluation and I will trust my eye. So I'll be happy to use an early second round pick on Zach Charbonnet. And listen, folks, the way it comes at this point in rookie drafts, when you're looking at running backs, you have to find somebody you would love if the number one guy in the depth chart went down or missed time for any reason, right? It's unfortunate to think in that way, but at the end of the day, we know running backs get beat up, right, in the NFL. And so Zach Charbonnet is in a position where if he has to start the game, you know, he can easily be productive with 20 plus touches. And then the fantasy value will only compound from there. Next tier here, tier seven is more of the back half of the second round. And I'm calling this the get my guy territory here. So the last tier was get your guy. This one's get my guy, because this is where I see a lot of value in the draft. There's a lot of players that I really like that I, I think are going to consistently slide to the back end of the second round. And so if you have late second round picks, I think I would be excited about those where I wasn't as excited about having late first round picks. So let's go ahead here and start with Marvin Mims. I'm a big fan of Marvin Mims. I would actually take him early in the second round, but I've just noticed rookie drafts already seeing him play out, helping the rookie big board patrons with them, that, that Marvin Mims seems to be falling a little bit later. So trying to give you an accurate idea where ADP could land. I'm a fan of Mims uh, as a route runner. As the as somebody who can separate downfield and has really nice hands. Now, Denver's come out and already said they could see Mims lining up pretty much all over the field. So for me, he instantly starts in the slot and could get pretty good volume projection there. If there's a really good chance that Denver moves on from Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, or Cortland Sutton at some point this offseason. And so that will really open up some options if Marvin Mims can move to the outside. He absolutely has the ability to play on the boundary. Uh, next up here, we're going to go with Jaden Reed. I liked Jaden Reed, you know, pre-draft, and I wasn't expecting to like him so much here. At first, it seems really messy because Green Bay did add a lot of guys. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Ontavian Wicks, who we'll talk about at the end of this episode. But if you plug in the projections, uh, and again, I, I know I keep saying projections in that word, but I, I really let that inform because that's fantasy value. And if you look at a fantasy value, for rookies, it's going to dramatically swing whether or not they produce year one. We know that year in and year out. So anyway, Jaden Reed, you put him on the boundary opposite of Christian Watson. You have now two guys that can take the top off of a defense. And Jaden Reed has big touchdown potential. He has the ability to average over 14 yards per reception. So the question is going to be, you know, can Jordan Love get him the ball enough? I think Love will trust him pretty quickly and will want to target him a lot uh, early on in the season. So he could be somebody who spikes up in value uh, pretty quickly here to start things off. Sam Laporta out of Detroit here. Laporta ends up capturing really fantastic draft capital. And how many times did we have to hear the name Brock Wright last year, right? Just an absolute a waste of fantasy points. Well, those are now going to go to an athletic tight end, somebody who has the ability to hold 70 targets in a Detroit offense that passed Amon Ross St. Brown really doesn't have that many pass catching options, right? So it's going to be Amon Ross St. Brown, it's going to be Gibbs, and then it's going to be Sam Laporta until Jamison Williams comes back from suspension. So Laporta is absolutely somebody that even in a non-tight end premium, I think should be a priority in the mid to late second round of your drafts. 
Now, I was patient, folks. I held out here. I know some people don't want to take him until the third round, but I don't think we can just bypass Jalen Hyatt. And yes, call it take lock, call it what you want. He was my wide receiver three going in. And that, that tier of wide receivers got so messy that he's holding up in terms of my value projection where Quentin Johnston and Zay Flowers are. Now, I'm not saying I expect his ADP to be there, but I do expect him to be a value in the late second round of your rookie drafts. And here's why. Despite, you know, falling into the third round, you plug him into the Giants offense. And even if you're being conservative, he's going to lead the way in targets. Who's getting more targets in this offense, right? And it's, you know, not a ton. You plug him in 80 targets, 85 targets, but he's going to lead the way. You know, it, we're looking at Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgkins. Um, you know, Wandale Robinson will absolutely be involved in the offense, but he's not going to be a high volume type guy. So then the question becomes, who's getting the touchdowns? And again, you go back to that list, you add in Darren Waller, you know, in terms of touchdowns, it's probably going to be Hyatt uh, and Waller, you know, getting those touchdowns. And of course, Barkley on the ground. So it's an interesting projection to work through, but I do think that there's pretty good value there. I like the Josh Downs landing spot as well. And this doesn't seem to be a consensus opinion, but it just makes sense from NFL purposes. And sometimes when it makes sense from NFL purposes, it makes a lot of sense for fantasy purposes, right? So you have two larger X-type wide receivers and Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman on the outside. That's going to open up the middle of the field for Josh Downs to both work well underneath and work well on the scene. So he's got the ability to get a nice amount of targets underneath and, and take the top off the defense at times with that speed and that downfield acceleration. So it's a really nice combination to lean into here at the back end of the second round. Now, two more guys here in this tier. Tank Bigsby, tough landing spot in Jacksonville, especially because I am a big fan of Travis Etienne as well. But I do think it's a sneaky good compliment, and I am still willing to, again, lean into that pre-draft tape evaluation, somebody who I did like a lot. And then last in this tier, and he might even go in the early second round, but I wanted to pump the brakes a little bit on Tajay Spears. So everybody I've said before, Tajay Spears is my guy, um, but I felt Spears needed to be in this tier as well. He's not so much my guy. We're looking at a medical injury here. I believe it was confirmed that he isn't actually playing with an ACL in one of his knees, right? A, a Jay Ajahe uh, type injury here. So we're looking at a shortened career. And he's going to spend at least the first two years of that career backing up Derrick Henry. And he will be a rotational guy and he will get in on there. And I see the upside if Derrick Henry does miss time. But for me, you know, I am proceeding with more caution than most on Tajay Spears. All right, into the third round, it's time to start talking about that mid-round priority picks. Got to start here with Hendon Hooker. I do love the idea of Hendon Hooker at 301, 302. You know, you're looking at a guy who has a legitimate chance to win that starting job in 2024. I do think you have to be patient. You have to stash him on your bench. You have to be willing to do that. Uh, I want to clarify here that I believe that Hendon Hooker's draft capital was based on medicals. If he was healthy, I do think he would have gone before Will Levis. I do think he would have been a first round pick. And I know, you know, that was kind of general consensus going in was that he was going to be a first round pick. So you're not looking at somebody that needs a ton of development in the NFL. He just needs to get healthy. And when he is healthy, he definitely has a shot to take Jared Goff's job next year. And that's worth a third round pick. I'm a fan of Roshan Johnson. You know, the landing spot with Chicago is a little messy with Khalil Herbert and Deonta Foreman, but I do think Roshan Johnson is so pro-ready and he will be such a good pass protector that he's going to be on the field. That'll lead to touches on the ground and through the air because I do think he has an underrated skill set in terms of his pass catching ability. 
I saved Luke Musgrave to this tier just because that Packers uh, room has gotten really messy. Okay. And I, and I get a little nervous when teams draft in the way that uh, Green Bay did. And I appreciate it from an NFL standpoint. I think they looked at the draft and they said, how many athletic weapons can we get in here, right? To just give Jordan Love as many chances to click with somebody as possible. But it seems to me just as likely that Jordan Love could click with Tucker Craft as he could with Luke Musgrave, right? So that's why I'm having him slide here to the third round. And I do think that nervousness is generally going to be shared uh, to the point where, you know, investing a second round pick just, it feels a little risky. I'm a big fan of Cedric Tillman. Again, did not get the draft capital I would have wanted, but I think he's a good fit in Cleveland. You know, Deshaun Watson has the ability to support three different fantasy relevant players. And I'm not coming out here and saying Cedric Tillman's going to be a wide receiver one, but I think he's going to be a good, you know, flex option, wide receiver three, four on your roster. And those guys, remember, are tremendously valuable when we get to week 10 of the season and your roster is absolutely decimated with injuries. And another guy that could have a similar level of production with more upside is Tank Dell landing in Houston. I'm normally not somebody that's going to get excited about smaller type wide receivers, but I want to emphasize here, and I know I've said this before, but I don't think he's Calvin Austin. I don't think he's Tutu Atwell. I think he's a much better route runner, and I think he wins with more than just his speed, despite the fact that he is very fast. So Tank Dell is absolutely somebody who I would consider as well in this early third round, mid round priority tier. All right, two more tiers to get through here. This one I'm calling it the get your guy round two tier because there's a lot of different guys that you could go for here with fun upside. And it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a dealer's choice here. What's your flavor? Who do you like? I like Chase Brown. Nice tape evaluation pre-draft. I think he had three down back potential. And now he lands in Cincinnati where he can plug in right away as the running back too. And we've heard all offseason that Cincinnati could be looking to move on from Joe Mixon's contract. So if they do move on from Mixon, all of a sudden Chase Brown could be a fifth round pick toting the rock 200 plus times a season. I would say that's worth a mid third round risk. Michael Wilson went to Arizona at the back end of day two. You know, this is a sneaky good upside play. He's super athletic. He has good hands. He had a run of injuries in college, and he played in a boring Stanford offense that really kind of limited what we were able to see from him. But when you do get tape on Michael Wilson, you see somebody with a lot of upside. And Arizona, you know, despite the quarterback situation there this year, uh, is going to have volume to spread around. I do still expect DeAndre Hopkins going to move on. But even if he doesn't, Wilson can see 60, 65 targets as a rookie. You know, so if, if he can get that athleticism clicking, then we're good to go. The aforementioned Tucker Craft is in this situation. A similar build to Luke Musgrave. So it's going to be interesting to see how that room plays out. You know, whenever you have two guys who are, you know, kind of in a similar situation, you always want to go for the guy that has a lower ADP. And I do think that will be Tucker Craft because he was drafted a little bit later. My guy, Puka Nakua, I had to wait a little bit, you know, but we did get round five draft capital, which falls into day three early draft capital bucket as opposed to day three late or, you know, UDFA. And so I'd say at the back end of the third round, you're totally justified in leaning into my Puka Nakua hysteria. He wins on the ground. He wins through the air. And folks, if we had to get him anywhere, right, don't we want to get him in Sean McVay's creative offense, right, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into it here. Maybe it's take lock, but man, I'm going to probably have a ton of Puka Nakua on my rosters. 
This one bummed out a lot of folks. I know uh, Israel Abanacanda goes to the New York Jets. Limited upside here. You know, I always had Izzy as more of a, of a day three type guy, but, you know, this definitely was a tough landing spot. He will still get drafted, I'm sure, late third round, early fourth round, just based on the Izzy hype that is out there. Here's another one that I didn't really love as much pre-draft, but definitely falls into late third round territory for me post-draft because of the opportunity in the New Orleans Saints offense. But A.T. Perry, I think, actually complements uh, very well Chris Olave on one side. And the Saints didn't invest really in any other pass catchers in this class. So it tells you that not only are they cool with Chris Olave, but they're cool with, uh, you know, taking a late round shot on A.T. Perry. So there's definitely opportunity there. And this one definitely hurts. But, you know, Darnell Washington slid because of the medicals. I actually probably would have been fine boosting him up a tier, you know, even with that draft capital. But the problem is now in Pittsburgh, he's got to split with Pat Frermuth. And I like Frermuth. And I know the Steelers like Frermuth. So it almost makes me wonder if they really are going to lean more into Darnell Washington's uh, blocking skill set uh, and just kind of give them some red zone targets, which could yield some fantasy relevancy. So it's enough where I'm still kind of willing to lean into it there at the 3-4 turn. But it's not a clean uh, spot by any means. All right, last year here, I'm going to run through, you know, 12 guys that could go in round four. Honestly, I could probably give you 24 guys that could go in round four. So I'm calling it my fourth round favorites. I'm, I'm, you know, these are the guys that are, you know, the ones I would take and that I think other people would take as well. Got to start here with Charlie Jones in Cincinnati. I'm a big fan of Charlie Jones. No immediate place for him in the depth chart, but he has a very Tyler Boyd style We've heard a lot of uh, rumors that Cincinnati is going to be looking to move on from one of their wide receivers. They've doubled down very publicly on keeping T. Higgins. So can Charlie Jones just plug in for Tyler Boyd? Absolutely possible. Eric Gray to the New York Giants. I love this, not just because I'm an Eric Gray fan and a New York Giants fan, but because when we're drafting running backs in the fourth round, again, we're looking for guys who are going to be able to take over a workload if somebody misses time in front of them. And the New York Giants depth chart past Saquon Barkley is really, really shallow. So Eric Gray can be the number two right away. He's going to be virtually worthless if Saquon Barkley's on the field. But remember, Barkley's also playing on the franchise tag this year. So there's a lot of factors that could lead to some fantasy relevancy for Eric Gray. Zach Evans, big fall from grace from the former five-star. Listen, I'm going to own it. I like Zach Evans's tape. He was my running back uh, five going into pre-draft. And obviously, we got to adjust those ranks. But if we can get that talent in the fourth round, you know, why not go ahead and take a shot on him? He's going to compete with somebody who I really liked last year in the fourth round, which is Kyron Williams. And Kyron Williams did get some run behind Cam Akers last year. So it'll be interesting to see how that running back room plays out. But, you know, worth a late fourth round flyer there on Zach Evans. Tyler Scott, not my guy. I think he's kind of a confusing fit there in Chicago. I think his skill set really kind of uh, mirrors what, what Darnell Mooney brings to that offense. But I do know Tyler Scott uh, will have his truthers and Tyler Scott will you know, uh, secure a fourth round rookie ADP. So I wanted to put him in here. Sean Tucker, breaking the hearts of many. The good thing about Sean Tucker being a UDFA is that it was medicals related, right? I don't think it was talent related. There's some other guys that kind of broke our heart last year, right? So Justin Ross, remember, it was a UDFA. Uh, that was both medical and tape. And, and that was really a two-part process. This, from everything I understand, was really just medicals on Sean Tucker. And he plugs into the Tampa Bay running back room that is really shallow. And, and Tampa Bay didn't address the running back position otherwise. And so maybe they go and, and they, you know, re-up playoff Lenny or Zeke lands there or something lands there. But for the time being, Sean Tucker 
has a legitimate shot of being the running back 2-3 in Tampa. So still worth a fourth-round flyer despite not getting any draft capital. Next up is Kayshawn Boutte. Listen, you're betting on traits. You're betting on athleticism. I'm not betting on his traits and athleticism because I don't love the fit in New England either. However, somebody in your league will draft Kayshawn Boutte in the fourth round. I am betting on Parker Washington. I like him a lot. You know, there were rumors that Parker Washington could kind of be in a uh, Antonio Gibson quasi running back wide receiver role in the NFL. They did call his name as a wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see how Jacksonville deploys him. But regardless, you know, late fourth round pick, I'd be willing to add Parker Washington. Dontavian Wicks had some of the best 2021 college tape of the wide receiver position, but he had suspect 2022 college tape. There was a different offense, different scheme, you know, a lot of transition there at UVA between those two seasons. So he's a guy for me who has the ability to, to win out targets in that Green Bay offense. But again, you know, this is the fourth guy I've talked about on this episode from the Packers. So you have to proceed with a little bit of caution. But if you want to bet on traits, bet on upside. Uh, Wicks' athleticism, contested catchability, uh, and speed for his frame are all things to definitely bet on. Deuce Vaughn. I'm so happy that I get to be back in on Deuce Vaughn. I was worried that the 5'5", you know, 160-something pound running back wasn't going to have any fantasy relevancy, but I don't know if it could get any better than this because the Cowboys ignored the running back position up until the fact that they took Deuce Vaughn. Deuce Vaughn's a really nice compliment to Tony Pollard. So Tony Pollard's one of the biggest winners of draft weekend, but Deuce Vaughn is absolutely a winner as well. Elijah Higgins, this is a really fun one to watch and also just a bit annoying as well. So I'll start with the with the fun part. Higgins was a wide receiver at Stanford, very athletic, very versatile. They lined him up all over the field, and he was definitely a willing blocker. Uh, we expected that he may hear his name called as a tight end or be transitioned to a tight end after being drafted, but Miami did list him as a tight end at the NFL draft. Uh, and so now Higgins goes to a creative-minded offense, right? And, and he's going to get that tight end kind of boost, right? He's more valuable as a tight end than a wide receiver. But Miami just moved on from an athletic tight end that they didn't use in Mike Kosecki. So a little confusing there. But again, a mid to late fourth-round pick. Why not go ahead and go for it there? Trey Palmer lands in Tampa Bay. Trey Palmer is a really crisp route runner. I think he's an immediate plug into the slot. And when you have a guy who can immediately plug into the slot with two guys on the boundary pulling the defense a little bit, right? That's going to be an interesting situation. You know, I talked in depth about Josh Downs. So, you know, Trey Palmer is, is the discount version of Josh Downs. Xavier Hutchins is the last one I'm going to go with. You know, obviously not the draft capital Xavier Hutchins and Truthers were going for, but a guy that was just consistently, you know, good tape. And listen, you know, he had to go the community college route before going to Iowa State, but he improved every single year at Iowa State. So maybe this is just a guy that's going to, you know, consistently get ruled out because of athleticism, but is able to, you know, really produce and be consistent when he's on the field. So that's 10 tiers. That's breaking down your 48 picks in your rookie drafts. I hope this type of ranking was helpful for you. And I hope that if you're looking for more specific uh, fantasy football rookie draft advice, you're going to head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board because you can get personalized advice in the discord channel from me and from all the patrons. Everybody chips in and gives you advice as your rookie draft is unfolding. You can get access to the 100 page rookie guide that's out right now. And you can get access to the projections that I've been talking through that are so important for that rookie value. All of that available, folks. You can get in on it for as low as $3 a month, patreon.com slash rookie big board. And as always, I appreciate you checking out this episode of the Rookie Big Board.